Say that podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I'm spent. Cut all you can take. Yeah. Well, only an hour and ten minutes left to go. Yeah, well, uh, maybe I'll take a little nap. Well, that seems fair enough. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. You just lay on down, get comfortable. Yeah. Just take that nap. Yeah. So joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. So I'm currently eating my first ever the inaugural tim tam oh it's all different now we had a super fan of the say that podcast that actually cares about lee huh they actually the the compassion has me speaking in the third person wait sure we can see i'd be dissociative sent me a package of tim tams and stroop waffles and actually also noticed that i had uh, had enjoyed M&M's previously on the show, threw the M&M's in there just to sweeten the deal, and uh, and then said something nice about, you know, great work on the podcast, also a fan of the Ancient and New podcast, keep up the wow. good work, enjoy the Tim Tams. Well, now are you going to divide those four ways and then send, you know, three quarters of them this way? <laughs> I'm going to eat all of them in your face face right now wow wow that that doesn't seem very christian (laughs) well it's pretty hostile we're 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 grateful whenever anyone sends baked goods along and kind words but um, we're gonna have to post some kind of signage about you know they have the zoo please don't feed the whatever please don't feed the lee yeah yeah (laughs) we've made this very clear we have a system where you send us in chicago food and we decide how much lee deserves or doesn't that's right and he hasn't earned any in our estimation yet but it's a system and the system works mm, that's right. perhaps someday <laughs> yeah this delicious stroop waffle says otherwise matthew <laughs> <laughs> and on that basis i declare an emergency it relates to stroop waffles no now here's what in we're that doing stroop waffles could be dangerous ah if you choked on them listen let me just tell you this right now this this uh, uh podcast there's a lot of willy nilly, hanky panky. No, uh, not that second one. <laughs> Rumpy pumpy. No, certainly not that <laughs> one. Oh, no. That's a different. Thing. He just earned us an explicit tag in the United <laughs> Kingdom. <laughs> well, that's okay. Now here's what's happening. Lee gets cookies, and this whole podcast is going off that, the rails. That's right. Nobody said anything to Lee. <laughs> that's the whole problem. You're no. Ruining the show. That's right. So here's what happened: is uh, this show. We deal, uh, like, probably, uh, I don't know how many times, every other month or so, we have an emergency on this podcast. Uh, It's been about 306 times in a row now. It's not that often. So, um, but we have these emergencies, and it's like, you know what what I realize is we don't have a safety warden. Whoa, that's a good call. Okay, so, like, if there's an earthquake, do you even know which exit to go out of? No, I have no idea. No, I plan to just run around in a circle. Well, okay. <laughs> Flailing this, my arms wildly. Oh, yeah, I've wasted this, my life. This is what uh, <laughs> this is what we need because like you need somebody with like an orange or a yellow vest sure. that has reflective material yes. on it. And he's telling everybody, you know, just or she or she, thank you, <laughs> to, to stay calm. Yeah. 
and proceed to the nearest exit. Like if there's a fire, you're supposed to stay low. See, that's like, right. you didn't even know that, did you? Right. You were like walking around in the smoke, but you don't know to stay low because there's no smoke down low. You didn't even, you weren't even aware of that. No. Okay. So we need a safety word. I couldn't agree more. It's a great call. Um, so, uh, I think we need to elect who this person is. Okay. Um, am I suggesting gladiatorial combat? Well, I'm not ruling it out. Sure. <laughs> uh, because that person would be the strongest one. Maybe sure. we would bash one another with fire extinguishers. Right. In the arena. Well, and let's be clear. Cause this is a question that's come up many times mm-hmm. is if the four co-hosts of the say that podcast were pitted against each other right. in unarmed combat. Yeah. Who would emerge victorious? Mm. Right. And the clear answer is Glenn. Right. Because Glenn fights dirty. Exactly. So, But I get the sense you don't want this job. Well, that's the thing is, you know, if it's, if it's a person, I can, I can, you know, poke them in all the inappropriate places. Right. Yes. Fight dirty. You see yes. what I'm saying? Uh, you go for the eyes and so forth. Absolutely. Okay. But in like tender areas. Sure. You know. So, um, but... Here's the thing. You can't do that with a fire. Probably not. Fires don't have eyes. So, well, that's that's the name of uh, my new book. Yep. Fires don't have eyes. So it's, it's also a, how the uh, the the uh, career of the Three Stooges ended in tragedy. That's right. <laughs> Tried is, to poke that fire right in the eyes. This is my book of slam poetry. <laughs> fire doesn't have eyes. And smoke doesn't have lips. And see, it's like that. Yeah, you know, sure. So. Yeah. So it'll um, sound a lot better with a double bass behind it. Right, exactly right. So I think first of all, let's let's enter into a debate who's the most qualified. Well, Lee certainly Lee's the most responsible of us by a wide measure. Yeah, the thaddies, uh, three year thaddies streak has approved that. Okay, this I'm glad you said Lee because I'm going to tell you why he would be the worst imaginable choice. Wow, okay. wow. Okay, I said, the other day I saw the Star Wars. Okay, okay. I'm watching a Star Wars movie. Now, in the Star Wars movie, mm. they, they got all kinds of monsters. Right. Okay? Some of them are real. Like okay. Chewbacca, he's real. Right, yeah. Some of them may be a puppet. Okay. You know, we don't know. Right. But, uh, you know, a lot of them are real. Right. You're saying you believe that Wookiees are actual creatures in the Yeah, universe. I've seen it right on the... There's a limited run time for this show, Chad. Just let him go. Uh, okay. Well, I didn't see that. I saw it. That's <laughs> okay. a Wookiee. That's no. Chewbacca. You trying to tell me Chewbacca isn't real? No, go on. You trying to say I just imagined that Chewbacca exists? Well, thank you. No. Okay. Okay. I don't want to live in that world. Absolutely. And you don't. Okay. So you got Wookiees is real, right? Some of them maybe puppets. We don't know, right? But I heavily suspect, and I don't, I don't know, right? Okay. I heavily suspect that some of these monsters in the Star Wars, they make them in a computer. Okay. 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 I don't know what's involved with the ins and outs, but they make these, these uh, you know, they're monsters. You know right. what I mean? Yes. I, I think your hunch may pay off. Clint. Okay. They make them in a computer. Now, right. when we record the show, people don't know this. We're in the underground bunker. Yes. Right. Yeah. And Lee goes, comes in on the internets. Right. Yes. <laughs> so when we're recording this, we're live in yes. person. Lee is on a computer. Right. Yes. Glenn, our, our average listener is, uh, 10 to 15 years younger than all of us, and none of this amazes them. So basically, it's just a floating head, is what right. I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> no, okay. Not, mm. okay, so how do we know that he's real? Because he's already in the computer. I see. You follow what I'm saying? Sure, sure. We don't, we don't have any way of knowing that. 
Right. So therefore, how can he lead us to safety? You're you're saying that in your mind, and again, I'm at this point, I'm just acquiescing because we don't have the time or the energy to fight this. Lee's lack of corporeal form mm-hmm. would would limit his ability to be our safety marshal. That's right. Here's the thing he, on that though. I'd say, much like in the words of Descartes, I eat Stroopwafel, therefore I am. Well, see, the, but see, here's what I'm saying. It's like, you know how they have like a... That, let's, not strip, let's not jump right over the Descartes joke, because that was well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, okay, well done. Okay. Okay. But Somebody who likes to make the Kierkegaard reference is a little jealous, <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> here's what I'm saying, is... You got like a flatbed scanner, right? Right. Yeah. You hook it up to your computer with a USB. Okay. Okay, now here's what happens with the USB. You try and plug it in. It don't go that way. You flip it upside down. It doesn't go in that way. You flip <laughs> it back, and it goes in. Mm. Nobody knows what causes that. Now, <laughs> flatbed scanner, you lift the lid on it, right? You put your head in there. Yes. Boom, you're in the computer. That's not in any way how that works. Okay, so what? Again, we just don't have the time. What I'm saying is, rolling. Okay, I think Lee has scanned himself into the computer. Right, and it's like a a, a wisdom automated wisdom program. Right, Max Headroom. What, exactly right. That's that's wow, exactly what we're dealing with. That's a dated reference even for us. Yeah. Glenn, tell me about those last few Amazon purchases. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. <laughs> right. See, that's what I'm saying. We don't basically. Here's what I'm saying. For all we know, Lee is in the Matrix right now. Well, you're presenting all this as though it's bad news. I'm saying it's a feature. We've got our very own wisdom bot. Oh. How many podcasts have a wisdom bot? Right. And and also, related to that, why is he receiving food goods? Because uh, (laughs) computers can't eat food. Well, it depends on the computer. Oh, well. Wow. I didn't realize. Yeah. But if I could... In a very vain attempt to get us back on subject, yeah. which will almost certainly be thwarted at every turn. Um, but the, the the point clear is not the the job of safety uh, marshal would not be to dispense wisdom. It would be to you. You probably would need uh, feet on the ground to do that, right? Because you know, otherwise, it's basically just Lee through Skype screaming "run," right? Which we know, <laughs> right? Right. So you, you don't want the job, right? So you're taking yourself out of the running. Lee, he's not here. I really can't be bothered. You know. Yeah, um, my main uh, my main reaction in the face of any uh, emergency or big situation is to embrace the sweet relief of death. Sure. Yeah. Right. So that's it's, it's you that know sounds it's, good. It's a philosophy. It's right. just not it's an ethos. It's not what you want your safety marshal to have. Yeah. So I think by the two sweetest words in the English language, default, uh, this job is going to fall to one Jedrick Brewer. Okay. Wow. Seems like so, a bad idea, but... <laughs> but the best of the remaining choices, right. democracy at its finest. Right. Okay. So, but I think with, with, now that we know who it's going to be, let's line out some duties here. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, coming up with some some scenarios and some yes. plans, escape routes. Right. Uh, posting those. Like, for example, if you're on a submarine and you have a leak, they, they have like a drill. Yeah. There's a leak. Protocol. Right. Pro- and then you have to... Put a clamp on it. Right. Like, we should do that. Right, right. Because that's like team building sure. and emergency handling sure. of the situation. See, you're you making find- this all military, though, Glenn, and I'm just picturing, like, fourth grade safety monitor Jed. 
Well, it's, you know, you know, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, you know, uh, that that's where we'll start. Good thing he's already know. wearing that sash. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think, I think so now we've outlined the, the job requirements. And Jed, would you like to, uh, to walk us through some safety scenarios here? Uh, you seem to feel like it's my job to keep you safe. Yes, you are the safety right. marshal. Yeah, yeah, it's your job. Uh, God is the only one who can provide security in this life. That's wow. Oh, oh, that's... Oh. Jed, have you been reading any Christian websites recently, by any chance? I read all the Christian websites, of course. Oh. I think I know where you got this idea. Look, y'all, you think that the pastor of safety is supposed to keep you safe. Right? <laughs> well, yes, it is the title. And here's what I'm saying. You're trying to put your security in the hands of man rather than God. Oh. Oh. Okay. You're probably the kind of chumps that think it's the job of the worship pastor right. to help you worship. Well, right. yeah. well you're wrong, and okay. you're stupid for thinking that. Oh, wow. wow. Where, did, where did Jed get that scarf and all those tattoos? All those <laughs> <laughs> He's drinking a latte for some reason right now? Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't drink coffee or white. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Things I've heard of. Jed has okay, a curly I, mustache. And I one little mini emergency. I'm squeezing it in. I'm at the Starbucks, and I'm going, and they, I'm getting a latte. Yeah. And they, they had the sign on there. A latte of what? A uh, 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 what? <laughs> a latte sounds like a lot. That's the oh, joke. Yeah. <laughs> Very droll, Matthew. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I'm getting, I'm getting a latte, and yeah. it's a, a nice, and there's a sign. It says, yeah. "Now you can get almond milk." In your latte. Now, here's sure. what here's For the our thing. friends who lactose the tolerance. That's right. So when you order a, a latte, sometimes you want to get it with skim milk. Right. So you say, "I want a skinny okay. latte." You know, that's how that's how the lingo. I'm just explaining how you do it. Sure. Right. So uh, it, it's like half calf, this that skinny, tall, grande, sure. so on and so forth. Well, I told the the gal behind the counter. I said, "Can I get that almond milk? I want to get in on that." Right, I like to be you. Know, whatever's going down, sure. I'm on that. Yes, okay? and she says yes. Well, you can get the almond milk. I said, is it? Is that like a problem? Like you have to get some almonds or something? She's like, no, it's not a problem. <laughs> I said, okay. Here's what I'm saying now. When you order it, rather than saying I want a skinny latte and so on and so forth, um, uh, I think that when you order it with almond milk. You should say you want a nutty latte, sure, instead of skinny. And, I like it, and 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 like that. So a nutty, I like it, or nutty. And she said, uh, "No, yes, we can't be wow. clear enough. Please don't go into your local Starbucks and order a nutty latte." Everyone, know what you mean. hearing the sound of my voice, go to your lo- Starbucks right now. <laughs> Just pause this podcast. Go straight to Starbucks. <laughs> walk in there, and say, "I want a half calf tall latte." Grande, nutty. Make it please, nutty. A, please Make it note. nutty. Yeah. But B, you will know that your uh, local barista reads a certain coalition-style website that some mm. Christians may like if they answer, really, God's the only one who can provide the latte that <laughs> you need? Right. Yeah. Just don't feel like it's my job. It's not really my end, job to do that. Because this didn't get a lot of play. There was a, a, a very high-ranking writer for the Gospel Coalition who put out a post of, you know, a lot of people think it's a worship leader's job to like get people in a mindset to worship, but only God can do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And we we dovetailed that with a friend of ours who, uh, and we've actually heard many stories like this. But this is the most recent one, he went to his pastor and said, "You know, I feel like 
just not getting what I need out of the church to really grow my walk and the past on, oh, well, growing your, your walk isn't my job. Mm. Right. <laughs> so apparently in Christianity, you can just have a job with a job title, safety marshal. Yeah. And just clear, oh, I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lie on God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to tempt you into idolatry by putting out this fire. Right. Why don't you just think positive thoughts? Yeah. The literal definition of what what is it that you say you do here? Yes. If we could have a world where Mike Judge movies don't apply to what's going on in the church in every conceivable term, that would be good. That would be super. And on that basis, I declare a very safe Mm. emergency off. Uh, No, I think we're all less safe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, almost certainly. Yeah. You know what is safe, though? Bridge box. Ooh. Oh, there's no way for it to catch on fire at all. It just comes in your email. Probably. It's a web page. Well, th- it hasn't caught on fire yet. Let Give us not make promises we cannot keep. That's right. It's very as long as you. I, I mean, you might want to put on some some welding gloves before you you know click on the thing just for static shock. But yeah, right, yeah. you know, it's a fairly safe process. You just download songs and sermons and Bible studies and all sorts of good stuff. Or in the month of February here, where our topic is, how do you know when it's time to end a relationship? Lots of great stuff. Again, sermons that uh, Glenn and I preach at the bridge, and songs that Jed and Lee, some other, friend, uh, some other friends of ours, have written and put together. Lots of great stuff. Only $8 a month. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Check it out for yourself. All right. We're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in anonymously, and it says, I have anxiety. A fear of just about everything. Fear of failure, fear of losing everything. When drama and depression come into my life, I'm afraid. How do I battle that? And a fine question, and Jed, why don't you start us off? Well, we're sorry you're going through a rough time. And we're sorry that you're feeling anxious and afraid. And we're praying for you, and we believe in you, and we've got your back. And one of the things we'd encourage you to to think about and kind of ask yourself is, what is all that fear stopping you from doing? Right? I mean, it's a cruddy feeling. Nobody yeah. likes feeling afraid. Nobody likes feeling anxious. But on a functional level, what's it keeping you from doing? Where, where we get into trouble with emotions is when they are not correlated to the reality of our lives. Okay. And when they keep us from taking the actions that we need to take in our lives. You know, I mean, if, if you're on a sinking ship, experiencing the emotions of alarm and concern is appropriate because it is correlated to um, the external realities of your life. Um, something that you may have heard before, but it's, it's really good to have a reminder, is people talk about courage. They talk about, you know, I don't, I don't want to be afraid, I want to have courage. Well, you can only have courage when you are afraid. That's, that's how that works. Courage is not an absence of fear. Courage is not an absence of, of worry. Courage is walking forward walking forwards towards a goal in spite of the fear and the anxiety and the worry that you have. But critically, given that in order to exercise courage, we have to know what our goal is. We have to know where we're trying to go. We have to know what we're trying to do. Um, otherwise, we're just trying to not feel what we feel, and that won't work terribly well. That's, right. that's pretty hard to pull off. So for you, what are the big steps that are before you in your life? Or, or maybe some of them are little steps, but that could be um, you're going back to school. That could be that you're going to finally ask that cute person out. That could be that you're going to apply for a promotion. That could be something really simple, like you're going to try a new hobby, or you've been meaning to try a different church, and you, you want to do that on, on a Sunday morning. 
in that case, now we have a sense, and it would make total sense to have fear and worry and concern about all of those things. I, you can readily see how you would have anxious thoughts about any one of those pursuits, any, any one of those things. Now the question comes, do we have a strategy for how we're going to approach that thing? Do we have a plan for how we're going to do it? In other words, we might say, I've made up my mind. There's that cute person I always pass, and I'm going to ask him out. Okay, great. That's fantastic. How? When are we going to do that? Where are we going to do that? What are we inviting them to do? What are the, when are we inviting them to do that thing? Is it going to be Friday night or Saturday night? We, we, we got to have a plan. We got to have a strategy, a, an approach of a specific thing we're going to do. You don't want this scenario. You want to go out sometime? Sure. Oh God. <laughs> well, <laughs> bye. Yeah, that's, you, right. you got to yeah. have a plan. Similarly, you're talking to the boss about a promotion. What kind of promotion are you asking for? You know, I mean, what kind of new job? And in, 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 I just want you to give me more money. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't work terribly well. We got, we got to have more than that. Once we know the goal that we're trying to achieve, and once we have a, a plan, a specific, concrete, actionable plan of what we're going to do, then we're ready to ask the Lord for the virtue of courage. That's when we're ready to say, Lord, I need you to give me um, a courage that's greater than the fear that I feel and a courage that's greater than the anxiety that I feel so that I can walk forward even though I have these anxious thoughts and I have these concerns, I have this fear, I have this worry. But again, that starts with having a clear sense of a goal that we're trying to achieve, a thing we're trying to do, and a practical sense of the steps involved in pursuing that goal. And then we ask the Lord for that strength and that courage to actually pursue it in spite of those anxious thoughts that we have. It's a fantastic point, a great great place to start. And Glenn, I'd love to pick us up there because there's a specific type of fear that Jed is talking about, which is I have a thing in front of me I'm afraid to do. And that yeah. could be one specific thing. That could be an area of life. You know, mm-hmm. I got to deal with all these problems and I'm, I'm afraid of it. Anxiety, but anxiety also can have an element of, I just kind of have a crushing uh, sense of anxiety at all times about all things. Yeah, mm-hmm. And we, I think we would do well on that kind of stuff to start off by to be able to apply the good stuff Jed gave us there. We have to do a little more of a, a exploratory mission of what am I afraid of about what? Mm-hmm. So what does that journey actually look like? Well, yeah, I think we have to ask where is this fear coming from? You know, mm-hmm. is this, uh, you know, is this an ongoing situation where where things keep going wrong? Is this a situation where? We've never done anything in this area before, so it's the unknown, and we're afraid of the unknown. Uh, we have to look at, you know, is there just a straight-up spiritual thing? The, the devil's just trying to get us scared about this. Are, are we listening to other people trying to get us afraid of things? I, my, when I turn on the news, or actually, I don't ever watch TV news. I don't just know, in, that. be afraid. <laughs> yeah, that's all that is. It's just a list of things to be afraid of. Well, TV Kent, news. the death count is now zero, but we expect it to leap into the thousands at any moment. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, there, you know, we have to look at uh, where is that coming from and, and start there. Um, but here's the thing. When you're talking about sort of that blanket fear and anxiety that that you were alluding to, that for me sounds like a a person who's on overload. Mm -hmm. When you are just maxed out, you have all the stress, you have all of the, um, you know, you just don't have any energy left. Mm -hmm. When you're at that point, what you're really saying is, I can't take another thing going wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you're at a place where you're saying, I can't take another thing going wrong, you look around and it's like, 
maybe that's about to go wrong. Maybe that's about to go mm-hmm. wrong. Maybe this other thing's about to go wrong. And you get sort of this creeping paranoia that any of this stuff can go wrong at any point. And if it did, I'd be overloaded. That's not exactly fear or anxiety, really. It's just manifesting itself as that. It's really that you're overloaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really looking at your schedule, what's going on with, uh, do you need to take a break? Do you need to you know, uh, you know, take less classes, do less work, whatever that thing is, withdraw from that situation and get yourself into a more sustainable situation. Final thing I'd say there is look at the what ifs. You know, that's the thing about, uh, you know, when I'm afraid of something, use Judd's example, you know, if I'm going to ask this gal out, you know, well, what if she said no? Well, if, if she said no, you would feel terrible, Okay. Also, you feel terrible now. Yeah. Yeah. You're at zero. <laughs> That's it. Right, right. So it can't get any worse. Also, here's another thing. You'd feel pretty darn good about yourself. You took a shot. Sure. Yeah. That's That's, right. that's a positive. So the, it would be a net gain no matter what. Therefore, ask her out. Also, you would learn this thing that it's not going to kill you. And right. that's a great thing to learn. You 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 feel empowered by that. You're like, hey, you know, this this you know, it, it hurts, but yeah, it, I, yeah, I could. It's not gonna. I'm not just gonna crawl into a hole or something. It's it, it's it's livable. It's survivable. And I feel like I can do that again. That's that's a great feeling. So, um, part of getting that kind of a courageous life going, as as Judd was talking about, is about recognizing that getting in that and and. Uh, messing about with it, even if it all goes wrong, you're learning from that. You're getting stronger because of that. Yeah. You're 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 feeling. You're looking yourself in the mirror and saying, "Hey, I I'm the kind of person I give it a go. I give it a shot. I I do my thing." And and each time I get a little better. I get a little stronger. I get a little more confident. And I'm getting where I'm going. Even if you're not where you want to be, you have that sense of, I'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really, really great place to take that. And Leah, if you could close out on this, um, there's the element of time here is one of the yeah. things we're, we're, we need to look at. There's the idea, as Jed was kind of starting us off talking about some misconceptions about fear and anxiety. One of the big ones is, I will just uh, have courage, and then I'll have it. And I will face all things with courage in equal amounts, as opposed to fear what I used to do. But this really is more of a process, right? Absolutely. The The thing that I love about where Jed and Glenn have been on this is, interestingly, is it doesn't, none of the things that we've heard so far feel very spiritual, right? I mean, th- these are these are just really, this is really, really practical advice. And here's the thing about this. That's important because as we're talking about in some of the questions that we talked about in the last episode, you can't just... Uh, grit your teeth spiritually and say, I'm not doing this anymore. That's not the way it works. Um, What we need to do is we need to have a very specific strategy. And what the biggest piece of advice that I would give you is don't do this by yourself, even for one more day. Um, Bring somebody in on this. Get somebody who will talk you through um, some plans and tactics and strategies, and here and th- and this doesn't feel like a super spiritual thing either. But it's such a good idea that when you get your when you get a plan, then start working that plan, and then after a week or so, meet back up with that person who helped you kind of think through it and develop it and 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 kind of brainstorm this deal. And then talk about how it's going, talk about what's working and what's not working, and then revisit it, revise it, 
and strengthen what doesn't work in the plan. Give high fives about what does work in the plan. And here's the really cool thing is you will look back and realize I am seriously making some strides. Um, Sometimes when um, Jed said a really, really important thing earlier, and we need to point it out, which is when you're in the middle of this thing, the worst thing that anybody can do to you is to say, stop feeling what you're feeling. It's the most unhelpful thing ever. But if, and and what we can do in isolation sometimes is just say to ourselves, I'm going to stop feeling what I'm feeling. That doesn't work if somebody says it to you, and it doesn't work if you say it to yourself. But if you have a concrete plan that you're going to work, and you have that, and you have somebody with you who helped kind of think through that with you and ask questions of you and ask you how you're feeling and that kind of stuff, then this cool thing happens where you're in motion. And one of the like one of the things that can really, really help you with anxiety is getting in motion with something different. Getting in motion with a plan and then saying, I, even if it even if it doesn't really fully work the first time out, we tried something. It's it's the same thing that Glenn was just saying about the going ahead and asking the person out. We tried to figure that out. Maybe this person said no that you asked out, but you learned some stuff. You learned some stuff about yourself. You feel good that you tried something. It's that whole deal. So we need to get somebody involved in this, come up with a plan, ask the right questions, and then check back in in a few days. Check back in and say, what's working? Well, this part's working. Well, gosh, let's high five on that. And when you have somebody with you um, that's on your team, and that can high five you through this process. Those those victories feel so much better when somebody's helping you celebrate them, and that's a big deal because on your own you a might not notice the little victories, and b you probably certainly wouldn't celebrate them well because we have a tendency in ourselves, and I know I do at least. I think most people do. We have a tendency in ourselves to think that the only victory worth celebrating is getting all the way there. Like, I have to arrive completely at my goal before I feel good about myself on this. That's not the case. If we make any little step forward, that's, a something, that's something worth celebrating. And if you've got somebody in this process with you, helping you to figure out a plan, helping you come up with some tactics, and by the way, if you don't feel like there's somebody in your life right now who can be cool about that or has the maturity to help you walk through that or has the, the knowledge then a professional counselor is someone, this is exactly what they would do with you. A licensed professional counselor would come up with a plan. They would ask the right questions. They would ask you a million questions, and they would work with you on a strategy, meet up later, and find out what worked, what didn't. Let's celebrate what did. Let's revise what didn't, and let's take another crack at it. It's a really great point. I'm glad that you uh, closed out by bring up the idea of professional help, because obviously what we're talking about here is there's a baseline amount of fear and anxiety that kind of comes into everybody's life when they're trying to when they're trying to face the world on its terms and make changes. Now, beyond that, there are uh, chemical imbalances, there are traumas that uh, trigger a different level of anxiety in someone. There are anxiety disorders that are not uh, a result of having not thought through the coping mechanisms that there are something that's going on with your brain chemistry. So if that's the kind of thing you feel like you're dealing with, when you talk about, you know, having of everything all the time, it's definitely, uh, we would strongly encourage you to take a trip to your GP, take a trip to a counselor, to look at uh, 
what what some professionals think about that. And then if you need to do some therapy, if you need to get on some medication, again, the point of those things is not to uh, totally solve this problem so you, you, you are superhuman in that way and they just give you a pill and you don't feel anxiety anymore. The point is you had a deficiency in a certain brain chemistry, a medication will get you back to zero and then you need these good techniques we're talking about to to sift through that. But if that's where you are, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing um, shameful about that. And also, don't try to just double down on the techniques we're talking about to, uh, to replace that. If you need medical care, go and seek that first and then come back and look at the stuff we're talking about right here. We want to be super clear about that. All right, we're going to jump to our second question here. This came in to our inbox. This is a, another one of these questions. We had a, a, some, a super fan, a small group at one of our local Chicago churches who were doing a, a series on work and uh, faith. And this question is one of the ones that came up there that they sent along to us. So this question came in and it says, what is a healthy way to air your grievances? So they mean at work, but I think we can expand this conversation out to kind of church, et cetera. What's the, so Glenn, if we have a problem with someone, what's a healthy way to get that out? We'll talk about them behind their back. Oh, that sounds great. I love that. Oh, that'll be easy. <laughs> that's what the, that's generally what we do. Um, now, sometimes we say, you know, we, we we say there's a problem with the boss or there's a problem with the pastor or a problem with the coworker or a problem with a family member. And you go to someone else at the job or someone else at the church and say, you know, is it just me? Or is this person like this? You know, I just, I'm not sure I'm right about it, but I just want, you know, your thoughts. I think it's a great point. And one thing we should clear up from the front is there's a difference between griping and yeah. grievance. That's right. Griping is, you know, this guy kind of busts in. He's, you know, a real jerk when he opens the meeting. Right. That's probably not going to change. Right. And right. you probably, you may not want to uh, wager your job on whether or not that's going to change. Right, right, right. So there's a certain amount, we don't want to get a guy, there's a certain amount of, this guy's killing me with the way he starts the meeting. That's right. As yeah. opposed to, I have a grievance, which yeah. definitionally is a thing I think has to change for me to stay here. That's right. Yeah. It, when, you, when you're at that point, uh, it, it often is good to talk to somebody about that. But if you're talking to someone who's not at your job, like a family member or something like that, um, or if if it's a problem at your church and you're you're talking to a counselor, let's say about that, uh, then that can be good and healthy. But um, sometimes we do have a way of saying I don't want to confront this person. So what I'm going to try and do is build a consensus sure. where we all, you know, and then we can kind of go like a mob. And sure. We'll, we like torches and we can storm the castle. And we, we get rid of the horrible monster. Well, have fun uh, storming the castle. That's right. Here's the thing. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the biblical thing is to deal with that face-to-face, uh, to be able to look somebody in the eye and have a, a, a one-to-one uh, uh, in-person conversation about that. Uh, and that's about being assertive in general, but not aggressive and hostile. Sometimes when something you don't like something and you feel um, that you... I don't know if anybody else can relate to this. When I have to confront somebody it kind of pisses me off that I have to do that because yep. I don't like doing it. Look what you made me do. Yeah. And that can fuel a very negative attitude about yeah. it. In other words, I may be more upset about having to confront it than I am about the actual thing that they're doing that's forcing me to confront them with it. Sure. You know? So that anger can come out in that confrontation, and man, does that make things way worse. Mm-hmm. 
So I have Particularly to, if it's a person who can fire you. That's right. So I have to try and find a way of, of being assertive and gentle to be in a situation where uh, I'm trying to maybe, uh, you know, kind of provide a nurturing kind of vibe to that, if, if I could use that word. The idea of, you know, if a boss just has a way of being a bit bombastic and, and angry and things and whatever, to say, yeah, hey, boss, I get what you're saying. I mean, you know, I, you, you're, you're kind of telling me in a certain kind of way that sounds like it's a big deal, but I'm, uh, it, it sounds like you're just angry about other things and that's just kind of coming out. And I get that. But, you know, what, what is it that, how do you really feel about this thing? That kind of thing. To where you're sending a message that's gentle, it's assertive, it's understanding, but you're, yeah. you're helping them to understand, ah, <laughs> oh, that's not exactly, that's not helping. You know, this is not good. This is not, it's creating an unpleasant environment, whatever, that kind of thing. To, to do that, in a, again, in a healthy and a nurturing way. Um, but it's to recognize if you put up with that over a long period of time, you're going to build more and more and more anxiety, and it's going to make yeah. it much tougher to have a healthy interaction about that. If you know that this is something where it's a real grievance, this is really something I can't put up with, as, as Matt was saying, I need to be able to get to that right away and say, hey, boss, I, you know, I, you know, I, I get what you're saying about this, but this is not a good healthy environment for me to be in um and, and you do it however you want to do it but i'm just telling you what i can can and can't put up with i think it's a great point another aspect of that is as you're pointing out that not letting it fester mm-hmm. yeah. that's all biblical with the sun going down and whatnot mm-hmm. so lee i think timing is an important part of this there's some uh timing as far as what how to do it that's true of all confrontations but particularly in a situation where there's some kind of maybe a professional setting, or even in church, it's good to get that out as soon as possible, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a, you know, when we have a problem with somebody, there is, there's sometimes this thing and there's kind of a voice in our head that says, well, uh, maybe, maybe if I just let it slide, it, it'll just kind of get better later on. Uh, they'll just, automatically grow in this and it'll be lovely and I won't have to face it. Sure. It's like when the check engine light comes on and just keep driving until it burns itself out. That's it. That's it. You know, I mean, yeah, the, the, the car, you know, technically we got back home, so I'll just go in the house and then tomorrow morning, everything will be fine. Um, the thing is, is that when we have to make a confrontation like this, now is the best time to do it. Um, it's going to become more difficult. It's going to, as Glenn says, you're going to be carrying a heavier bag of rocks if you wait and wait, because they're not going to miraculously change their behavior. Um, people, people don't notice their own blind spots. A, B. Sometimes people look at stuff about them and they think, "No, this is great. This is what makes me awesome." Um, and so, when when we have something specific that you need to that we need to confront somebody on. Waiting to do it is not going to make the situation better. They're going to continue continue in their behavior, and you're going to feel more and more upset about it. And so th- it, that is not going to help you. The best thing that we can do is to go ahead and, and have that conversation, to ask the Lord to give you the courage to go in there, 
to ask, you know, to to think through it exactly as Glenn's doing, to figure out how I how can I do this with gentleness? How can I do this with kindness? How can I do this? Give them the benefit of the doubt, the whole thing. But to say the thing that I need to say, to set up the right boundary and all that kind of stuff, but to go ahead and do that. Because if we go around talking to the coworkers, if we just hope that it's going to change over a couple of months or something like that, we all know, we've all had enough experience with other human beings to know that's not the way the world works. They're not going to change this thing on their own. They're not going to see this thing about themselves. We've got to have that conversation. The sooner the better, the cheapest price you're going to pay on a confrontation is now rather than later. That is a key element to dealing with a confrontation. It's a, one that's very well taken. And Chad, let's, we've been focusing on the work thing for, for here, but let's, let's broaden this out. The person mentions, you know, either work or church or et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that, there are some underlying things like don't come in angry and the cheapest price to pay is now that will apply to pretty much any situation where we're sure. in agreements. But then there are some situation specific things that we probably want to look at, right? That's absolutely right. Uh, the truth is if you want to be able to make the best decision you should always be willing to confront a person. Um, if we find ourselves in a situation where it's just, I, I couldn't say anything, that's, that's difficult territory in that we're, we're eliminating options. But figuring out what conversation to have, what kind of conversation to have, when to have that conversation is going to depend very significantly on the specifics of the situation that you find yourself in. Um, in other words... Speaking up for yourself is pretty much always a good idea as a general thing. And again, as going back to what Glenn started with, being willing to speak up for yourself in a gentle and respectful but also bold and assertive way, um, having that willingness is essential. So in terms of figuring out how do we apply it, the first thing that we want to look at is to ask what our goals are. What outcomes do we want to see happen here? You know, wise people... Uh, concern themselves with outcomes. Um, it's uh, the funny thing is Christian culture is obsessed with process, uh, but wise people are concerned with outcomes. And actually, the kingdom of God is about outcomes. So we we want to be about outcomes too. Um, you ask, is there a healthy way to air your grievances? Well, it depends entirely on what you want to see happen on that. Um, Airing grievances is a weird phrase and kind of an odd, loaded phrase. If you mean I just need a space to vent. Um, and um, just get this off of my chest, uh, which is what a lot of people mean when they talk about airing grievances, then um, having some trusted friends that you can be honest with, where you can vent, that's great. That's fantastic. That's that's how you do that. In other words, uh, part of what Glenn is saying is a healthy confrontation is not a place for you to vent. It's actually the opposite yeah. of that. If, yeah. if You need to do your venting first. Exactly right. If what Amen. you need is to vent, that's not confrontation. That's, that's a different thing. Confrontation is part of an attempt to get behavior to change. That's entirely different. And plenty of people, when they say, I need to air my grievances, what they mean is, I need a place to vent. Um, which again, that's not a confrontation. That's trusted friends that, that are willing to, to give you a place to vent. Um, if you're saying, I need this behavior to be different, um, that's, that's my outcome. Then the next question is why, why does this behavior need to be different? Does this behavior need to be different because it's keeping you from doing your job? It's keeping you from worshiping at your church is, does it need to be different because it is actively damaging you in some way there? These are all different things. In other words, one of the things that we haven't mentioned, but unfortunately it does come up in the workplace is it's possible that people could treat you in a way where, Actually, the conversation you need to have is with HR. 
those, those are the people that you need to go and, and talk to because there may be legal ramifications. And uh, if it's if it's enough out of pocket, yeah, that's beyond the realm of a grievance into a a a, a problem, a real problem. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, but there's there's a, a huge, huge swath between an immediate supervisor who doesn't have a ton of authority about, over you, but can just kind of be a jerk about things for, you know, not really a good reason to someone who's asking you to do things that are illegal you know, pressuring you to do stuff that breaks the law, certainly, you know, stuff where we've got elements of sexual harassment or impropriety. These are very different things, um, and they need to be handled in very, very different ways. So the specifics really, really matter. Again, it's always important to have um, the courage of our convictions. It's always important to have a willingness to have, as Glenn put it, that assertive, upfront conversation with a person. Um, once we've got that willingness, then it's about where do we want to see this go? Where do we want to see this land? What do the specifics of our situation um, detail? Here, here's the Bible verse that I would have you think about. Jesus calls his followers. He says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as innocent as doves, but as wise as serpents. We need, when we're, con- when we're dealing with these kind of situations, we need all the wisdom that we can get. We want to play this stuff very strategically and in a very wise way. That is a very important point on this. And I want to tie it back to something Glenn was talking about earlier with the, the kind of talking behind people's backs and the getting in on that. There's a difference between, as, as you were describing, just kind of doing that in a in a way, in the, either in the f- faint hopes that that will fix the problem or using it as venting, and as Jed's talking about, going to someone and saying, uh, what does this seem like to you? Because particularly the workplace thing, one of the ones, one of the issues that comes up a lot in the work we do with the guys at the bridge is someone who just doesn't have any idea what being in an actual workplace should be like. Yeah. So you get this conversation a lot. Well, even though I have a felony record as long as your arm, I got hired and I'm at this place and they're paying me full-time money. Okay, that's great. How's it going? Oh, I quit. Why? They like, the guy like told me to push a broom. What was your job? Custodian. Okay. Right. Well, I want to meet your emotional tenor on this, <laughs> but I'm not with you, buddy. Yeah, it's like one of those things where the, it, there's no other area in life where someone can just walk into a room and say, hey, you sweep that floor. Yeah. What, but it, when you're employed, that that's, that's exactly. It's like you go to the, the the doctor's office. The guy just opens the door, and says, "Take off all your clothes," and shuts the door. That's anywhere else you get sued for that. Hopefully, sure. you know you yeah. call the police. But in a doctor's office, is a different context. Yeah. So, and that that's a, obviously an extreme example. But it's, a, a lot of us have those things. And you know, there's that that just the one way that dude phrased it really reminded me of the way my dad used to talk to me and I did yeah. not care for that. Yeah, yeah. So you can have that this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the previous class. And you can have that immediate emotional reaction. That's where the wisdom comes in. That's where a certain amount of venting is very good to go to some uh be that a pastor, be that just a friend and try to say, um, I'm gonna run this by just the dry facts of this by you. How do we what do we think about this? Am I blowing this out of proportion? And sometimes the answer would be yes and just as often the answer would be no, I think that's that's not okay. The other aspect we want to look at this stuff is there are there do need to be some degrees to this, in the sense of as we were talking about, you know, there's there's the I was told I could keep my red stapler level of grievance, and then there's the this absolutely needs to change or I need to find another job grievance. Yeah. Um, you need to know you need to do a little bit of uh, looking at what that where you are on that scale and 
really, this is not what Lee was saying. This is not a spiritual uh, really look, but um, what kind of leverage you have in this situation? That's well, I, I, maybe that's like counting the cost of a of a tower. Maybe I can spiritualize that, but it would not say you know I'm really I'm really not happy about this. this. Is really impeding my job performance, and it just needs to stop now. And I'm you know I'm a critical player on this team, and I think I can the boss will be happy to do that. That's one thing versus. I, what you got, is that like a firm 9am or can I come in at like 11? Cause you know, it takes me a little while to get running. That's, these are, these are different things. Um, so it's important to have done that, that kind of laid that groundwork with yourself. And that also helps what we're talking about here with the, you know, coming in early. You want to, you want to do that when you, when you feel those bells going off and then the not being angry that's, that carries over. If you've, let's say the switch thing, let's say it's going to pastor. If you have to say, this is the thing I'm not thrilled about. Here's how not thrilled about it I am. Like, is this, I would prefer to, maybe we can try this a different way, or is this, I'm pretty much leaving, but just so you know, this is what it did. And those are different conversations, but knowing where you are in that, you don't want to, as another, you don't want to go in guns firing. You also don't want to go into a situation and have misjudged how angry you are about this or how big a deal this is. You don't want to hear the, well, if you're unhappy, we're sorry to lose you. Well, you know, it's not really a whole thing about that. So so some wisdom on the front end will get you a very long way mm-hmm. towards a lot of this stuff. All right, we move on to our final question here. This actually came into our radio show, The Bridge Loud, which you can oh. check out every Saturday night into Sunday morning at 3 a.m. on QRock, 100.7 QRock.com, or at the much more human hour yes. of Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern on Call FM across South Florida or callfm.com. You can also check the uh, podcast. It comes out every Friday, The Bridge Loud. But this person wrote in to thebridgeloud.gmail.com and says, My brother's girlfriend is all about drama and makes everybody miserable. What can I do about it? And Lee wants to kick us off. Well, uh, the, the thing on a question like this is I totally get it. Uh, it makes complete sense. Uh, it, it makes complete sense that in a situation, you're like, I want to fix this. Um, I want to fix this for my brother's sake. I want to fix this for everybody's sake. This person's making everybody miserable. I, I completely get that. The only problem with it is, is that um, I have yet to meet the person who wants to hear unsolicited advice or receives that well. Um, and... And what I mean by that is, this isn't going to go well. If you decide to kind of step in and make a big deal of it, the weird thing is, is that that would actually be a kind of dramatic and miserable experience for for you and for everybody else. It would, in an odd way, it would it would it would cause you to bring the thing into the situation that you already don't like about the situation. Um, but I get it. I mean, it makes sense to want to jump in there and do this. Um, but the thing is, is that we can't really, um, we can't really change somebody that's not asking for help. And, um, and especially in a, in a situation or relationship that is a one-off from you. I mean, to me in a situation like this, I'm going to set up my own boundaries so that I don't have to be around that drama. So it's not impacting me. I mean, boundaries are always for you. It's always for, you're setting up boundaries to, for yourself, um, so that you are in the situation that you want to be in with people that's best for you. And if your brother asks you about that, um, so that you can have less contact, then you can be honest about it with him. But if you try to step in with the girlfriend, if you try to step into that situation and change it, 
I think what you're going to find is, uh, as some of us have found who have tried to step into situations like this before, it's not going to go well. Um, because people people don't like that and and you should know for us as far as um as far as the way that we do ministry we don't do that we don't step in and give unsolicited advice we we help folks who ask for it and we help folks who are wanting to change but if somebody's not asking for it and not wanting that the chances of success on a conversation like that are slim to none yeah that is a very important uh lens through which to see this. So, Jed, with that in mind, maybe uh, the far we'd be do far better to focus on what we can do for ourselves in this situation to yep. not be driven crazy than to uh, try to fix uh, either the brother's relationship or the malfunction with a girlfriend, which, as Lee is very rightly pointing out, has an almost 0% chance of happening. Yep. So what do we do with that? Well, actually, uh, as a fun compliment to our previous question— one of the awful things about the workplace is uh, when you have jerky people in the workplace, you still kind of have to be around them. Um, and so there's a certain amount of figuring out how much do I put up with and you know when do I say something. Here, since sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Jim. It really does. No. <laughs> Heck no, man. Okay. Here, you can leave. Yeah. You have yeah. this magical ability to remove yourself from a toxic situation exactly. and just not be around it. And that, my friends, is the greatest gift of all. In fact, not only can you remove yourself from this toxic situation, you can go find healthy people and be around them instead. And it goes from being an active negative to an active positive because now you have positive people that are building you up and encouraging you. But I think it's worth looking at why we don't do that because all of us have a stronger tendency to hang on in toxic situations than makes sense. And I think it's worth examining that. There's a few reasons for it. The first is I think all of us are tempted to believe that us just being there, it's like it's making it better. Like, yeah, I mean, they're not listening to us in any way, shape, or form, but we're like, we're just helping just by being there. Um, Glenn, he, he has an eye tick going, even as I'm saying these words, the number of conversations Glenn has had from people that are in toxic churches where they try to explain, Glenn, well, I would leave, but like, I'm helping by being there. Right. I, I just want to stay and be a positive influence. Exactly right. It yeah. doesn't work that way. Nobody asked you to. What sort of influence are you having? Yeah. The martyr no one asked for. Right. Exactly right. The second thing is, uh, particularly when it's family stuff, we have a way to find out, well, I have to. I, I, I got to. I mean, you right. know, it's, uh, I, can't, I can't not be there. And here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yep. You can super not be there. That's that's one of the beautiful things of life in the 21st century. That's right. It's almost an infinite number of places that you can be that are not there. Right. <laughs> so, again, this is one of those moments to celebrate the fact that you have some real freedom here, to recognize that boundaries are never about controlling other people's behavior. Boundaries are about figuring out what you will and won't put up with and making decisions based on exactly. that. If this is a toxic situation, then remove yourself from it. Go find a positive, life-affirming, good situation to be in and let that build you up, which, by the way, will give you strength and give you um, good stuff for when this person is ready to make a change so that you have something in the tank to help them and you don't want to throttle them, which is the thing you're going to tempt yourself to be on if you keep hanging around there when there's no good that's going to come out of it. Absolutely. Yes, throttling is not the right outcome we're looking for. No. That's, that is not the way to decrease family drama. Right. Some of us have tried it. It almost never works out. Right. 
That's how you end up on an episode of Cops, which is really the pinnacle of family drama. Um, so when there's, as you guys are all pointing out, there's, there's things, there's avenues that are not going to be successful, which is digging in further. Yeah. There are avenues that are probably going to be successful, which is extricating yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, it does leave an unfortunate scene where you kind of feel like you're just uh, setting your brother or whoever it is in the situation adrift to their own unhappiness. Right. Which is kind of part and parcel. Right. So we, we've talked before in the show about a certain amount of a, a healthy selfishness or self-focus right. might be a better mm-hmm. word. I think there's a good place to apply that mm-hmm. in the sense of, as we're saying here, you don't have any control over what your brother puts up with, but you have control over what you put up with. That's right. Yeah, I think here's the thing is not all drama is the same, really, because in some cases there are people who love to get wound up in drama. Their life doesn't have a lot of meaning, so they put a lot of drama in it, so it seems like it has meaning. But they're okay with having that drama and sort of mostly keeping that to themselves and small group of friends that they sure. like to, you know, they don't. they just wind each other up and that's what that is. It's a different thing when that person wants to put their drama on you. Yes. And that's kind of what this question's alluding to. The the you know, I've I've got a, a brother and the, the girlfriend's around and she wants to put our her drama on us. Mm. Um and here's the thing is uh first and foremost, I think people do that because they want to they want to control those situations. In other words, I don't know if anyone would pay attention to me if I'm not having a crisis. Right. I don't know if anyone would care what I think if I wasn't in crisis. I don't know if I would get sympathy or attention or anything if I wasn't going through some sort of a cataclysm right now. So I have to invent something in order for that to happen. Well, so the first message that I want to send is I am not going to be a party to that. I'm not going to do that. So it's like, um, you know, you're having a conversation with her and she says, well, you know, I just feel like, I don't know, man, darkness is closing in and I may have cancer because I read an article and, you know, it just makes you think about, you know, and I just, I just don't know. The penguins are dying and no one even cares. (laughs) Yeah. It's easy enough in that kind of situation to give her what it is that she wants underneath while not buying into the the drama. We're starving the drama out. So you say, Oh yeah. Okay. Well that, I see why that would, that would bother you, but how's it going with your job? Uh, You were saying a while back that, that you were up for promotion. What's going on with that? You know, to where you're actually showing that you care, you're following yep. up, you know, you're giving yeah. her the attention that she wants because there's nothing wrong with a little bit of attention and nothing wrong with some giving some sympathy and, and and letting her be the focus. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. If you want to do that as part of the family and say, yeah, okay, uh, you know, I, I get it with the penguins, but I want to know, you know, like you were tr- starting that new hobby. How's that going? You know, did you do the thing? You want to sign up for a class together? Let's do this, you know. To where you're kind of um, subverting that process and giving her what she needs underneath. But either way, I'm not buying into the drama. I'm not riding that train. And you got to send that message early and often. Uh, it's important also to to uh, particularly if there's pushback on that, and if there's a you you gotta you gotta get on this with me, or that means you hate me kind of a thing. Um, it's important in, in that kind of situation to 
express where your limits are. You know, there, uh, there, there's a, there's a point where uh, you, you've reached your toleration, and you need to express that. You need to say, okay, it, it, we, we've, we've been doing your crisis for the past hour. I'm out. Right. I'm yeah. spent. <laughs> That's it. Someone else. Moving on here. Um, because here's the thing. In dysfunctional families, it's always the same message. You are obligated to us. Right. We are not obligated to you. Mm-hmm. You have to show up. Okay, well, what do you have to do? Do you have to behave when I show up? Or do you just get to do whatever you want? If I have an obligation to show up, but you have no obligations at all to control yourself, to, to curb it, rein it in, or any of that kind of stuff, that doesn't work for me. Obligations go both ways. I want to know what, what I'm... A, I, I'll, you're trying to define what I'm obliged to do here. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm buying it. But I want to tell you what I think you need to be obliged to, to work on if you want to see me there. That's fair. That's, a, that's an equitable situation. That's a healthy situation. It's there. a technique we often refer to as meeting you more than halfway. That's right. Uh, yeah, exactly right. That's, that's, that's a fair thing. Uh, and finally, I think don't get caught up in refereeing that with, with the mm. brother. Because yeah. if the brother wants to come to you and say, she's done that drama thing again, well, okay, buddy, I, I appreciate that, but that's a, you've made a decision to be with somebody. That's what you signed up for, bro. Yeah, that's, that's the way that she is. Uh, if you want to get counseling for that, if you want to <clears> do whatever. But if, if he's coming to you and saying, okay, I want you to tell me you know, what I should be putting up with, and, and then, you know, well, maybe you should just tell her this kind of, you know, no. you, you want to stay out of the middle of that <laughs> dynamic of that relationship. Exactly. You want to be, you want to be in a place where, you know, that's between him and her. Uh, you can talk about where healthy boundaries might be and how to set those boundaries, but you're telling him that's between you and her. Uh, if you, do, if you aren't happy, you do a thing to, to make you be happy. Uh, but, but I'm not going to be expressing how I feel about that in that situation either. Yeah, I think that's a great point. There's you. It's one of those things we try to be too subtle about when it comes to these situations. Is well, I'll just you know put forth a body language that says I don't care, don't want to be cut up in this, and hopefully they'll pick up on that and leave me alone. That almost never works with dysfunctional people. What has doesn't work all the time has a better chance of working is saying, "Listen to me, eye contact. I don't care." Right. And I'm not going to get caught up in this. Right, that's right. So I've said that. I've put that out there. It's, that's what setting a boundary is. Yeah. And now, when you start doing that, to Jed's point, that's when I uh, take my piece of birthday cake to go and get in the car and leave. Right. Because I right. told you that's what I was going to do. Right. And and, and not to j- jump in there, but I think part of what you're, what you're setting up there is you're, the thing that's getting you out the door is not, I don't like your face, I'm leaving. I mean, that's an element of it. Certainly. But it's, 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 it's as much as that, it's you're saying you aren't giving me an opportunity to be good to you. Yeah. This dysfunctionality is, the, the, this drama is sucking up all the oxygen in the room. I want to be a positive Christian influence on this family. That's my goal. And I want to I want to hear about the actual problem you have, not the made up one that you're driving us crazy mm-hmm. with. That kind of thing. <laughs> if there's a way to communicate that, you're going to get to a place of being a Christian witness. But if you're simply tolerating, tolerating, tolerating as a way of maybe that's buying me an opportunity to have a voice down the road, you're going to find out that you're just setting up this 
dysfunctional thing that they think they can do forever. Yeah, you're you're not amassing these imaginary chips you think you are that you will later in later on cash in <laughs> right. for a very meaningful conversation. Right. And that ties back into what Glenn was saying about the idea of okay, I'm happy to be here at the birthday party or the Christmas or whatever. But I want to let's talk about your job. I'm happy to hang yeah. out with you all day and talk about, you know, your your new hobby or the actual problem you have. Now, what I don't want to do is talk about your your drama with the with Susie at work. I don't know, Susie. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You've been talking about this for four months. It's just I'm bored of it. Yeah. I'm not bored of you. Happy right. to hang out with you. Super bored of hearing about Susie. So right. I'm going to leave. And it doesn't happen as often as we'd like, but over the course of time, if this person is going to be a part of your life, that gives them the opportunity to grow in that way, in a way that just kind of, uh, yeah, so yeah, tell me about Susie. And then, you know, playing soft music in your mind while they talk right. uh, it makes you more miserable and doesn't give them anything to do. And you, right. And then they have to do more drama because they're getting half the attention. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's kind of an unfair thing, but it is kind of the way it is that, if you're the healthy person in an unhealthy dynamic, there is an onus that's on you, but it's not just to absorb all the nonsense yes. good-naturedly. It is to steer things towards a healthier direction. Yeah. So yeah. take good. the energy that you would do and just kind of, oh, God, all these people are killing me, and say, oh, how about we talk about something nice? Or I'm right. going, or I have to leave because right. we haven't talked about anything nice the whole time I've been here. Yeah. And that, that's a much better use of your time. And we'll get you where you're going a lot faster, right? If you have a question for us, say that podcast, gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Uh, years and years ago, I believe in December 2015, we, we did a bridge box about anxiety. Ah. So we started this uh, episode. I was talking about that. And let's uh, take out the Pool House Guru track about Ooh, that. Right. This is based on Philippians 4 6, featuring our. A delightfully accented friend, Jeremy Nichols. Mm. Um, and we'll take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Say that podcast firmly standing by the fundamental truth that Wookiees are real. <laughs> Mad real. Chewbacca lives. <laughs> this is what being strong and courageous is all about. It's about taking on our fears and worries head first. It's also what faith is about. Tackling our doubts and anxieties head first. As long as I can remember, anxiety, worry, and fear have been a part of my life. I remember as a kid, I was that nervous, shy kid that seemed afraid of everything. I was brought up in a Christian family, so I went to Sunday school, and one of the very first ones that I memorized is from Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is what being strong and courageous is all about. It's about taking on our fears and worries head first. It's also what faith is about, tackling our doubts and anxieties head first. My trouble was I'd memorize that verse, but I'd still be anxious. The trouble was I'd also feel guilty about my anxiety and condemn myself because I thought I was disappointing God whenever I was fearful or had an anxious thought or worry came up. So why do I tell you all this? Because throughout my life, feelings of anxiety, fear have continued to rear their ugly heads and I've had to fight it daily. This is what being strong and courageous is all about. It's about taking on our fears and worries head first. It's also what faith is about, tackling our doubts and anxieties head first. We need to fight it, we need to tackle it. 
When feelings of fear and worry take us by surprise, we shouldn't run away and hide. We need to take it on. The verse says, when anxiety starts to hit us, don't retreat, we need to pray. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You know, when I feel anxious, it causes me to pray. Anxiety, it humbles me. It helps me realize that I need God's strength, wisdom, and guidance. Anxiety and fear helps me realize that I cannot do it on my own. Anxiety helps me know I'm weak and that I need God, and all these things are good things. Because instead of giving in or retreating, instead of choosing the easy option, the Apostle Paul tells us to pray. He tells us to pray with thanksgiving and tell God all about it. He tells us to be honest about it and not leave anything else. Prayer is an act of faith, it's an act of courage. When we pray, when I pray, I know a burden is lifted because we're taking our anxieties, fears and worries off our own shoulders and placing them on God's shoulders. They become His problem and He can definitely handle it. We still need to act and we still need to do His will. But the difference is by praying, no matter how difficult it is, we can move forward in peace, knowing our problems are in God's hands.